one called a chest pass, right? And I used to get them in the face. <laughs> I just wanted to know that she respects the game of netball. What even is netball? Harrison, you are a freak! This is the sport evolving at its very best. Unbelievable. <laughs> Can you believe it? Welcome, former Silver Ferns defender Linda Vangana and RNZ Pacific sports reporter Vinnie Wiley. Kia ora. Kia ora. Thanks for joining us, Linda. This episode focuses all on Pacifica netball. Uh, Linda, Auckland-born Samoan, de- debuted for the Silver Ferns in 93, became a regular from 95 to 2002. You then captained Samoa at the 2003 Netball Cup uh, before retiring, but then you also took on coaching Samoa for quite a few years as well. Uh, Linda, you went to Samoa last year, I think it was, as a netball ambassador. What was that like? Awesome. Really enjoyed it. It was, um, it was, it was quite uh, emo for me, actually, um, just just because I had coached and, um, you know, I think after about seven, seven years of coaching and then um, being away from, you know, having to, to always fly there and, uh, and work alongside Samoa Netball um, and then going back to seeing what had um, sort of, you know, evolved with Samoa Netball after I, I had left. And I was really, really happy that they had um, appointed someone a CEO, mm. <laughs> like an actual paid role mm. for the first time, um, someone to, and she was actually um, manager, our team manager when I had retired. And it was just neat to have see that that was happening and to see a whole sort of new, young, fresh faces and um, whanau, ainga, you know, mums and dads that were all engaged in, in their kids um, playing netball. So that was, that was really exciting for me. And I guess... Um, it was just nice to see that happening finally. What are some of the challenges that they do face? Oh, look, I think it's it's always been um, funding and um, and having that pathway uh, for for our players. You know, it's sport is something um, for our women and young girls. That is something it's something that you focus on when you're sort of at school, and then as you uh, as you sort of move along school and you, you you get into year 12, year 13, most of the girls and, and I guess boys who play netball are having to make decisions on uh, their careers because, you know, their lives depend on um, supporting their family, whether they're in Samoa or outside. And, and to have a great education means that, you know, you're able to provide for your family and greater family, extended family. The girls, um, you know, pathway into sport, unless unless the whole family is really involved in sport, then you'd find that some of the girls might um, continue to look at uh, representing Samoa and, and making, you know, having a real go at it. Um, otherwise, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest challenge is, is that pathway. It's, it's not attractive enough to ensure that our families in Samoa can see that girls can actually 
really good careers from this, you know, not just being a netballer, but um, in an administrative uh, space or um, even to to be coaches and umpires and, and it's not seen as, as a role that's going to, you know, have money and mm. provide food on the table. So mm. that's probably the biggest challenge, I think. Uh, Vinny, you've been covering uh, netball in the Pacific for how long now? How long has it been? Oh, te- technically a third of my life, if I put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about, about 10, but 10, 11 years, yeah. Yeah, how many, uh, have you been to a few Pacific games or many games? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously last year we had the, you know, slightly odd situation of the, well, the Pacific Games, yeah. I guess the netball tournament was being held basically at the exact same time as the World Cup. So mm. um, we, we had um, the Cook Islands winning the gold medal, which I guess on the face of it looks as a bit of a surprise, but Fiji didn't enter a team and, and Samoa had a, you know, a, a second string side because obviously their top team mm-hmm. was, was was over in Liverpool. So mm-hmm. really, really good that Samoa still entered a team. A shame that Fiji didn't. But, uh, you know, kind of like Linda was saying, you know, resources and funding is always a challenge. So can you justify... You know, sending well. Actually, in some, well, they were they were at home. That's probably why they entered the team last year. Still, but um, right. you know, can, you, can you justify sending another twelve players or, or so over to Samoa for a competition that's not your key focus that year? And especially when it's a World Cup year, World Cup is so much that focus, and you try and squeeze every dollar you can out of sponsorship and mm. you know what what have you to to try and mm. give yourself the best platform there. So yeah, it's a shame that they sort of clashed in that way, but um, a, a good development opportunity. Obviously, the Pacific Games as well, and in some respects, just match play, just getting regular, consistent match play is a, a constant challenge as well. So those are matches. So that in itself is a good thing. Uh, where are things as a result of COVID-19? Obviously, um, poor old Fiji, they lost the World Cup in 2007 due to the coup. Now they've, um, now the World Youth Netball World Cup scheduled for next year. Is that being postponed, Vinny? Are they looking at 2022 for that? Yeah, it's been postponed. There's no confirmed date as to when it will now take place and it's kind of ongoing discussions sort of thing. But yeah, as you say, very exciting to host the World Youth Cup and that comes off the back of their performance uh, in in 2017 over in I think Botswana it was where they came uh, fourth. So, you know, that was pretty extraordinary behind New Zealand, Australia and England. So uh, some very talented young players coming through. I think Vicky Wilson, their former coach, everyone obviously knows who she is and uh, she was coaching that under-21 team over there and got to take some of those players through to the, the World Cup last year as well as they progressed. Um, so uh, a shame for them, but but also a shame for, you know, in the lead-up because Papua New Guinea were originally going to host the Oceania qualifiers and they were really excited about that um, and, and, you know, being able to give some of the young players an opportunity. So that was taken off them and put into Fiji, which then obviously didn't happen because you couldn't host anything and and then the the teams that qualified for the youth world cup was in, ended up being done on world rankings so uh, png went from thinking they were going to host a qualifier to actually not qualifying at all and it, there was nothing they could do about it linda with teams like samoa fiji cook islands even they do have a lot of new zealand based players how much, how difficult is covid going to make it for those teams just physically getting together obviously with border restrictions Oh, um, you know, just a huge hindrance to the development of sport in each of those countries. Around this time last year, I remember um, organising a Samoa Netball Festival, which, um, you know, was to coincide with Pacific Netball Challenge. And that's 
that's been cancelled and it's always a huge event here in Auckland but it was also an opportunity where we could um, look at young girls who potentially um, could make the decision to play for their Pacific nations um, and it was an opportunity for uh, those countries, you know, the Cook Islands, Fiji, Samoa, to have their um, their team come up to, to Auckland for the Pacific Nepal Challenge and, and just see what sort of talent there was and um, what the interest was for girls to represent uh, the, the countries in, in the various sports. And obviously the Under-21s World Youth Cup was meant to be <laughs> meant to be uh, the next sort of step for some of these young girls. And I think it's just created... Um, you know, there's just some real um, isolation, I guess, for, for netball in particular, but, but also just for girls looking forward to something to, um, you know, to be part of. And I think one of the biggest struggles I know for sure in, in Samoa is that they won't have now um, the competition of Samoa Netball Festival where we can get just people engaged in enjoying the sport and knowing that it's still, you know, visible mm. um, to the communities. But, but we won't have opportunity to showcase it and then allow young girls to prepare themselves and start now for um, under 21's World Youth Cup because like Vinny said um, it has been postponed but don't really know any dates do we Vinny? It seems like it's probably not going to be next year at this rate um, mm. and I think F Fiji Netball are happy to be maybe steered by you know the international body and they're talking to all the the countries um, Mm. But, I mean, I know, you know, Frances Solia, who's obviously, you know, now the mm. coach and coaching the under-21s as well, she was all ready to do virtual trials and players were going to be asked. And, you know, <laughs> How does that about, work? About, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, talking about the, talking about the tyranny of distance, um, to, to try and get a team together for that tournament, you know, players were being asked, be they in Samoa, be they in, you know, New Zealand like she is or, or Australia, what have you. They were going to play their games locally, like in the Wellington competition here or Auckland or wherever it may be, um, film some of their best games, I guess. It's like a, you know, when you have a highlights reel of all your best performances and you ignore the other ones and then you send, <laughs> and you send those through and then the coaches have to make a decision. So uh, it's kind of the best they could do, but um, you, you kind of make do with what you have, but um, not ideal by any stretch. And um, even if the tournament did go ahead next year in June, as was initially planned, it be pretty hard to get a good meaningful build-up towards it. That's mm. right you know the geographical challenge has always been um, a tough one for the Pacific nations and more so now it's uh, it's harder because we can't travel in between <laughs> between mm. countries um, so I think that's you know that's going to be detrimental to the to the sport um, and ensuring that you know I, I guess right across the world and um, netball in particular we're finding some real challenges with um, participation rates and this isn't going to help it it's going to be mm. really hard to sort of, you know, pick up again, especially when you were sort of down <laughs> to start off with. Linda, last year at the World Cup, I think it was all the Samoan, uh, all the players in the Samoan team, none of the players actually lived in Samoa. Was that, was that what it was like when you coached Samoa? No. <laughs> uh, no um you know we had the luxury uh of well I had the luxury um of Rita having lived in Samoa for three years and she was coaching Rita Patealofa so she had um developed over three or four years a really nice um pathway for our young girls out of school playing and then um moving into 
um, the club competition, there was some really good matches and she was doing lots of um, travel in and out of Samoa for the different age groups to get, you know, get exposed to, I guess, um, games in New Zealand in particular and having those matches. And so when I came on board, um, I was really lucky to... Um, to be a part of, of that pathway and, and experience some of those girls who were coming through um, Rita's sort of, you know, camps and what have you and what she had done over those four years and have those players be part of um, Samoa. But, you know, as I, as I um, was in Samoa about this time last year, um, when I did go back, it was neat to see some of those young players. And I think we, because we haven't had anyone based in Samoa mm. for a wee while, um, you know, adding some real value and um, and purpose to, to the girls playing over there and bringing them to New Zealand or taking them to Australia, we've lost that sort of um, competitive edge um, to build to build our young players. Because you, you know, in Samoa, it's really cool. Or you, or in the Pacific in general, all you need is two or three players um, that are playing sort of top level outside and you just have them then, you know, sort of work their way through um, Samoa competition and everyone's skill levels just, just pick up. Um, and when you get the coaches doing exactly the same, um, being exposed to... Uh, what what club level is like um, in New Zealand and in Australia, and they go home and they're all excited and um, you know it just picks up the game, and and I think that's what's lacked. That's what's really helped the sport, um, and and for I guess for um, Pacific Games last year, uh, sporting a whole team that was um, all New Zealand players, that we just didn't have the calibre to you know sort of represent Samoa at the, at the games mm. and in the time with the turnaround was um, you know did it wasn't wasn't our advantage to um, create you know a, a good group of girls that could play together um, from Samoa and, and New Zealand it was just I think easier to build a team of, of Kiwis mm. that kind of all played at club level yeah, yeah. I think um, yeah it seems actually pretty crucial to have those high profile Netballers or former Silver Ferns like yourself. Uh, you mentioned Rita Fadialofa, Villemina Davu, coach Fiji, mm-hmm. 2006, 2007, player coach Anna Norval, um, mm-hmm. coached Cook Islands, the uh, World Cup Auckland 2007, I believe. That's when they did really well. Again, before her, Silver Ferns legend of the 1980s, Margaret Martinga, you know, moved her family back to the Cook Islands after her career, um, became a player coach. And in, in the 1991 Netball World Cup, uh, when Martinga was still playing, I believe, 91, they finished fifth, you know. Incredible to think the impact that those individuals have, have had and that's, um, you think that's kind of missing at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I always think that, um, you know, it's, it's much easier for girls to see and, um, you know, see what they can be through uh, a face and someone that's been there before. That's, that's my belief, um, my personal feelings. It's a, you know, you're a lot more motivated to um, to see a dream when you can see someone that looks like you. Um, and, and that's something that's right across, you know, all spectrums um, when we're working with, you know, when we're working with schools and you have a lot of your Pacifica and um, and Māori individuals, you know, to, to give them a, a taste of what it's like, um, you know, in a, in a specific career and in this case in netball, they, you know, kids sometimes have to see that they 
you know, what they can be by what's in front of them. Um, and it's themselves usually projected through that. So, yeah, definitely. Um, I think having having players who have, who have been there and done that, and it has a bit of mana with it too. Um, you know, you've got a lot of respect for individuals who have been there and, um, and coming back to, uh, you know, Samoa, for instance, for me, um, it was it was a real um, honour and, and privilege, to be honest, to be part of Samoa Netball and give something back, um, be able to share something that I was so privileged to have and, um, and pass that on. So, you know, mm. there's some real, yeah, joy, <laughs> I guess, some rewards from that. Yeah. When I uh, was preparing for this episode, I, I researched a bit more on Margaret Martinga because I've, I think I was a little bit too young at the time to really remember. I don't have memories of her playing. I certainly remember Rita Fadilofa, Rita. Um, she was one of my first um, memories of a silver fan playing. Um, I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and only, only because she was the only, and for me it was because she was the only brown girl that right. I saw there. Um, yeah. I wasn't even playing netball at the time when she was um, at the peak of her, you know, her netball career and softball for that matter. She was a mm. full-time um, rep for, for New Zealand. So for me, my only, I could have gone any other pathway, but I think for me in particular, um, seeing seeing some, you know, Pacifica sisters there made me go, oh, Okay, Um, Mm. maybe I'll try this ball. Yeah, get this. This is something I didn't know about Margaret Martinga. So I'll just read this little little thing. Growing up in Mm. the Cook Islands, she had never even heard of netball. When Margaret was young, her dad saw her athletic talent and thought she could become a great tennis player. He trained her every day with that goal in mind. He sent her to Auckland when she was 17, hoping she'd find a tennis club to join. Margaret didn't find a tennis club and moved to Wellington because she had family there. Then she discovered netball. I got hooked on netball and loved it. In 1978, she became the first Cook Islander and the first Pacific Islander to play for the Silver Ferns. I mean, I just find that incredible that she only took up netball at 17 and she became a Silver Fern. I just, can you imagine that happening today? It, it has happened, actually. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, not, not quite yet to the Silver Ferns, but, um, you know, that reminds me, as you were reading that, it reminded me of um, Grace with Mystics, mm. um, Nawiki. She only just learnt netball probably a year or two ago, and um, no one really knew, Someone, everyone thought she was an import, but she was born in New Zealand, and she never really hit the peak of her height until, I think, um, I think some, yeah, I think someone. Yeah. I think she was literally going to the courts in Auckland uh, to watch a friend, and someone yeah. there spotted her and saw how tall she was. Millie yeah. spotted her. Yeah, Millie yeah. From yeah. Her. And, and next week she was playing in the same club side yeah. as Rachel Rasmussen. It's crazy. So exactly, exactly the same thing. And um, and now look at her. You know, I think you can you can certainly see that she's developing you know some of those um specific muscles in the game um that's required you know when with with um agility and speed but i think um give her another year and she'll be she'll be i mean she's good now but all right yeah two years of just learning how to play and she's <clears throat> as good as she is now it's natural eh? Mm. Vinny, uh you've covered some stories over the years about el- eligibility rules um probably hindering more more than anything some of the Pacifica players. I remember the story with um, like Catherine Latu played for Samoa 
the 2007 netball champs in Auckland. She, she later announced she would uh, stand down for a four-year period in order to be eligible for Silver Ferns. Wasn't able to convince the INF that she should play at the 2011 World Cup. Netball New Zealand even took it to the International Court of Sport of Arbitration or whatever it is. She finally got to play for the Ferns later that year. Finney, some of the rules, some of them have changed over the years. Um, where are they sort of at now? Uh, I'm not actually 100% sure what these specific rules are because the, the the sort of cases of what you're talking about, there aren't too many of them now. People, mm. people, people do increasingly shy away. I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Irene van Dijk and, you know, well, now Liana de Brain, uh, you know, came over from South Africa and we had Vilamina Davu from Fiji, of course, and, and it, it didn't take long. I think you only, I think at the time the rule was you couldn't play for two countries in the same calendar year. You obviously had other requirements in terms of, you know, residency or citizenship, but um, that four-year gap that you're talking about is obviously much more extreme to the point where someone like uh, Juliana Naupu played for Samoa in 2015, um, and by that point she'd kind of lost her ANZ contract, and and it was almost a free hit, if you know what I mean. Like previously, she wouldn't have considered that, she said, because you know she didn't want to put her ANZ contract in jeopardy um, by not being eligible for the Silver Ferns. Um, but by that point, she was kind of on the outer. I think she came back again this year, hasn't she? Um, mm. Um, mm. But but yeah, it was kind of, and that was only for like the World Cup tournament or the lead into that. So you you have these talented players that are playing in ANZ or what have you, but a lot of them at that high level, if they, you know, even if they've got faint aspirations for, for ferns or, or something else, um, they seem reluctant to put themselves forward for a, a Fiji, a Sam or what have you. And, um, it, it seems a shame, but I can certainly understand from the individual level um, why that would be the case. We see, we see it in rugby as well. I don't know if that was a challenge for you, Linda, when you were coaching the team, if there were players that would have loved to have played for Samoa, but because of uh, the sacrifice, don't start, <laughs> don't start you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, that's just one area of netball that I've um, found really you know, it makes, makes me angry, really. Um, I think the opportunities that we can offer um, girls right across the board, you know, to, to at, at such a young age to have them, um, you know, even at ANZ level, uh, for instance, girls have to basically make a decision right from there um, whether they will, you know, be on the New Zealand pathway or on the... Um, you know, a Pacifica pathway, <laughs> and it's 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 hard. Um, you know, when when you're trying to um, improve sport in the Pacific or um, within Oceania, and I think New Zealand netball has a lot to play with this, and um, have often been stuck in both camps um, trying to fight the good fight. But it's it's getting more difficult. Um, you know, New Zealand could turn around and say, okay, let's um, let's make a deal here that, uh, you know, girls can, you know, it's only going to benefit New Zealand netball um, or Australia if you've got girls playing at um, ANZ, you know, at these sort of top uh, franchise competition levels and, and benefit our own Oceania um, and Asia continents. But even if we, if we were to change New Zealand, you know, netball New Zealand's mind now, there's no way that your African, <laughs> your African nations will agree to, or you know, Caribbean nations that will agree to this because they're doing really well with their um, with their own competition and their own players in their country. In fact, 
um, you know, a lot of the franchise and ANZ Cup uh, are all gunning for a lot of those players, and it's not really helped our Pacific Coast girls. Is, is, is the rise of the Blackfern Sevens and that Sevens program, and now that they've got, you know, some of those players earning full-time now um, in, in the women's game, is that also a challenge up there as well? Are, players, are some players yeah. starting to drift towards rugby? Yeah, they have. Um, we've seen we've seen that in a couple of players at uh, at ANZ level. Um, you know, I've seen girls at, at secondary school level who are yeah, absolutely finding that um, that rugby is in sevens is a great pathway. We've um, we've seen some of our young girls go through to the rugby, um, but that's that's neat, eh? I mean, if they can. If they can find a pathway in another sport, that's great in terms of um, participation and, and health for our young girls. Um, but in terms of netball, I think I think we really really need to up our game and um, let's get every girl engaged as opposed to only some for the purposes of um, you know moving into professional netball for New Zealand, semi-professional, I should say. Linda, just looking at last year's World Cup in Liverpool, you have Malawi, Uganda, Zimbabwe finish 6th, 7th, 8th in those final placings. Samoa finished 13th, Fiji 14th, Cook Islands weren't there. Uh, but when you look at the just the population base of those uh, African countries that are um, starting to show a bit of muscle now, I mean, Zimbabwe population 14 million, Malawi 18 million, Uganda 43 million. I don't think that's just scary for Pacifica countries to compete with. The potential in those African countries, they're, they're only just scratching the surface. And when you compare it population-wise, Sama, 200,000, Fiji, 900,000, Cook Islands, 18,000. You, you look at the sheer population base and it's really tough for countries in the Pacific to, to compete. Yeah, and I think um, there's a huge role role here for our um, our own sort of Oceania um, you know, netball countries. Um, New Zealand's in a in a very powerful um, position to um, ensure that we get as many girls playing netball, and and not only that, that the, there's a huge interest of these girls to, um, you know, number one, have the ability to, um, if they're good enough, to represent New Zealand, and then number two, um, you know, New Zealand is in this big picture, um, developing all these amazing young athletes who they can actually pick and choose who they want but um you know allow some allow some sort of um leeway for our young pacifica uh players to also represent um their, their countries of their parents birth um or their grandparents and you know and and again you know i think there's some there's some new zealand have done some really good things in allowing a lot of the um you know their coaching programs and oh, i'm trying to remember is it Nick goes netball NetGo, thank you. Uh, NetGo and developing, um, you know, some 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 good programs and sending some great people across to to the Pacific Islands and, and build up the sport. Um, but I think it it needs to be greater than that. I think there's so much more opportunity to support um, our Pacifica countries, and and it just requires uh, every the whole the whole region to work together. Otherwise, you're right. Um, you get these amazing athletes that come out of um, the Africa, you know, the African nations and the Caribbean nations who are naturally, you know, naturally built to, and, and, and have the, the lean athleticism to really do well in any sport. And um, we'll be lagging behind if, um, if we don't get the support that we need.
mm. as a region. Oh, 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 oh,